This podcast of the Model Health Show is presented to you by Sean Stevenson with Rare Gym Productions. For more information, visit the SeanStevensonModel.com. Welcome to the Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson here with my beautiful co-host and producer, Jade Harrell. What's up, Jade? What's up, Sean? How you doing today? <laughs> I am Maximendus. Yes. What is that? Mm-hmm. I am to the highest level, the maximum level of tremendous today. That is complicated <laughs> and I like it. I like it. Awesome. Well, I, I hope everybody's mm-hmm. doing great today. We've got an amazing show for you. We've got a special guest oh, yeah. in the building mm-hmm. and it's going to be a powerhouse episode. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to our show sponsor, yeah. onit.com. Head over to O-N-N-I-T forward slash model for 10% off all of your health and human performance supplements. I just realized today... I do this stuff automatically. You know, we've done many shows talking about (laughs) habits and morning rituals and things of that nature. I keep these in my little computer bag all the time. Right. You know, I just realized because I'm I'm like, sometimes we're doing the show. And by the way, guys, if you want to see the video of this episode, head over to themodelhealthshow.com and you can actually be in studio here with us. But I was like, it would be great if I could actually show the product, Mm -hmm. you know, that I take. It's been with me the whole time. Just sitting right (laughs) over there talking to me. So my two favorite things that I keep on me all the time. Number one is the Shroom Tech Sport. Vital, vitally important. You said this is your pre-life, pre-life workout, pre life workout, pre everyday, pre life supplement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's my pre workout supplement. Mm-hmm. It's based on cordyceps mushroom, five thousand years of documented history in Chinese medicine. But in our modern kind of science, it's looking at the real efficacy and proving the things that our ancestors actually knew about. One of those things being that it's clinically proven to increase the oxygenation of your cells. So what does that mean? That means more energy, better circulation, and better recovery, right? And also, it's been proven to improve your insulin sensitivity. Okay, you want to be more sensitive, (laughs) like Ralph Tresvant, right? You need a man. (laughs) I knew he was going to (laughs) say. So the insulin sensitivity is the opposite of insulin resistance, which one of the classic signs of insulin resistance is carrying around a little bit more belly fat than you want to, or maybe a lot more than you want to. So helping improve your insulin sensitivity is one of the other fantastic things that it does. It's just a really great product, great formula. The other thing that I use is Shroom Tech Immune, especially when I'm traveling, especially when life gets hectic and I got a lot of stressful stuff going on, a lot of stuff on my schedule. I make sure that I up the Shroom Tech Immune based on Chaga Mushroom, 5,000 years of documented history as well. Funny thing, these mushrooms been around a long time, longer than you. Solid shrooms. And it's been proven to boost your NK cell activity upwards of 500% in clinical trials. So these are your immune system weapons, right? These are the cells that basically create defense against any pathogen you might be exposed to. It makes your immune system smarter, right? So definitely check those guys out mm-hmm. on it.com forward slash model for 10% off. Now let's get into the iTunes review of the week. This is my favorite part. Love the love. This one is uh, by Mark with a bunch of numbers after it. (laughs) Quality production, value-packed, baller hosts, and sexy voice. Watch out for the Barry White sexy voice. Before you know it, Sean and Jade will hook you into a binge listening to their entire podcast archive. In the short few months I've been listening, I don't know how many times I've made dramatic mind shifts. Top quality guests, detailed research, and a positive vibe all lead to mind-altering shows and highly actionable principles to follow. You you must try this show and share it with your friends. Mm. Wow, that's so awesome. Very white, huh? Oh, you keep. Oh, del- no. You remember that? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys so much for leaving Don't these throw reviews. anything up here on our counter. That's all I'm saying. No, ladies, don't throw anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the people that are affiliated will get that. Yes. Oh, man. You're Inside, crazy. I know. Awesome. I know. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for leaving those reviews. <laughs> I truly do appreciate it. It means the world to me. And, you know, we built this platform to be able to share the most enriching, valuable, powerful, life-transforming health information possible. And you guys helped to make this what it is right now. So thank you so much. Now let's go ahead and get into our special guest and yeah. our topic of the mm -hmm. day. Today's guest, and I'm going to read a little bit of his bio for you because he's a professional. Today's guest is Jeff Blake, and he's a former Pro Bowl NFL quarterback who's made a name for himself on the field, but now he's making a name for himself off the field as a coach, mentor, and leader for future generations. And I had the opportunity to meet him actually at the Onnit HQ, at the Onnit facility down in Austin, Texas, uh, recently when I was speaking at Paleo FX and just hit me as a guy with a really huge heart and dedication and just a really good person. And so I'm so honored to bring him on. He's actually in town because his son is also an NFL athlete and he's here in St. Louis with him today. So welcome to the Model Health Show, Jeff Blake. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for having me in the studio. It's great. Awesome. Uh, this is a, a great opportunity for myself and I'm honored for you to have me here. Hey, man, it's totally my pleasure, man, truly. And dude, just having the opportunity <laughs> to talk to you and just hearing some of your insights I'm blown away. I'm blown away. But I want to know the core of this stuff. Like, how did it all get started for you? You know, what got you interested in sports and performance in the first well, place? Well, it, it started with my dad. You know, my dad played professional football. He was uh, went to Bethune-Cookman College, which is one of your um, two HBCs in the state of Florida. You got Florida A&M, mm -hmm. and then you got FAMU, mm -hmm. and then you got Bethune-Cookman. And, you know, so uh, he went to Bethune-Cookman and uh, graduated from there and got drafted to the NFL, but wound up going to the CFL. Played there for two years, had a major injury, and uh, came back, started teaching, had me with him the whole time. Uh, my mother died when I was six, so my dad had me the whole time. Yeah. You know, that was a kind of devastating moment for him, and I uh, felt like he wanted to honor my mom by keeping me by his side the whole time, so yeah. he taught me everything I know when it came mm -hmm. to football, you know, about life, um, about how to handle myself as a man. I mature very fast uh, at a young age, he started playing, I think when they first started that American Football League in the 80s, mm -hmm. he played on that team in the first year that they had that lead, they won the championship. And that was his last year wow. playing football. And then he started coaching high school football, coached mm -hmm. a lot of professional athletes. Tim Raines is one of the guys that he coached. And I don't know if you know Tim Raines. Yeah, he played major league baseball. Yeah. yeah. But he was a great football player as well. Yeah, wow. And uh, Reggie Branch played at uh, Washington Redskins. A lot of guys came through there just from my high school. Tony Collins. Played uh, the Patriots running yeah. back. Uh, him, actually, him and Reggie Branch are cousins. We all from Sanford, so mm -hmm. Sanford, Florida. So it was a great town to grow up in. A lot of sports. You know, if you didn't play sports in my town, you were a nobody. <laughs> so yeah. sports, or you were a musician, or you sang, or you were a preacher. Right. One right. of those three. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, from the South, that's yeah, that's pretty much where you're gonna go. You're gonna be a musician, athlete, or a preacher. That's mm -hmm. it. Those are three things that you were gonna do. And so I said, after leaving high school, I got I graduated from high school in '88. I got um, recruited by East Carolina University. East Carolina University was the only Division One school to recruit me to play quarterback. Wow, yeah. The only one. Uh -huh. I was the second-ranked quarterback in the state of Florida. The first-ranked guy was from Fort Lauderdale, Dillard. He went to Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And I went to East Carolina. And East Carolina was the only Division One school that recruited me to play quarterback. It's crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, but, you know, that just speaks to some of the politics and the small things that go on in sports, collegiate sports and in professional sports, of course, as well. Oh, yeah. And so in that experience, when you were in college, 
I think you were one of the the top players getting considered for the Heisman, maybe like in the top 10 or something like that. I was finished six in the Heisman yeah. my senior year. Coming from East Carolina, which right. is huge. It's phenomenal. Especially back in that time, yeah. in the early 90s, coming from East Carolina, late 80s, early 90s, because nobody ever heard of East Carolina. For you to be even, have the word Heisman in your, you know, around you was huge. So yeah. that's saying if I would have went to a, you know, maybe a bigger school like Texas or, or USC or one of these bigger schools that I probably been in the top three, yeah. probably been in New York somewhere, you know, at the ceremony. But, you know, East Carolina was a great school. Actually, my daughter goes to East Carolina right now. And my, wow. one of my nephews plays for East Carolina. And my daughter is a volleyball player there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a great school and uh, uh, it's a great family oriented place. And yeah. um, I encourage my kids. Actually, my oldest son, he went to Auburn. But mm-hmm. we talk about him in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's just... A little bit of my story. I was drafted by the New York Jets in the sixth round in 92. And I stayed in New York for two years. Learned a lot. Yeah. Had to grow up very fast. Like I said, I, my rookie year, I was 20 years old. Wow, yeah. So had to grow up very fast. And mm-hmm. also had a son already. Mm-hmm. You know, my oldest son had him in college, actually. Yeah. So to have a son that young and to keep everything in perspective yeah. and yeah. not go way off to the right or way off to the left, you know, it was very hard not to. You know, and one of the biggest things uh, that I always remember is when uh, my oldest son, Emory, called me. I think he was a sophomore in college. And he said, uh, Dad, I just want to thank you. I said, for what? He was like, I don't know how you did it. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's like staying it together because, you know, I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) You know, being in college and having an opportunity that he had being in actually because this sophomore year, they won a national championship at Auburn and seeing everything, all the hoopla, everything that goes on. And knowing that if you had a kid at that time. Uh, none of that stuff exists, right. you know, it's just play and go home, you yeah. know. So that was one of the things I really live with today. And that shows you how much me and my kids and me and my son love each other and how much we uh, applaud one another yeah, and our accomplishments. Great. You know, one of the things that I picked up from you is like there's really it's a culture, you mm-hmm. know, and this kind of tradition and this family oriented approach to things. And even where you grew up, you know, mm-hmm. basically you're three, one of three things, you know, it's just this culture. And... I'm one of the people I'm always talking about immersion, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like the things that you want to be a part of your life, you have to be around it, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially with your kids, for example, they don't have any choice, you know, and that's the power that we have as parents is setting up consciously the environment for our kids to develop. And, you know, and I just want to- setting goals. Yes. Early. Absolutely. Early goals. He, He knew exactly what he wanted to do. My son knew exactly who he wanted to be and what he wanted to do, you know, at a very young age. Yeah. And he set his mind to that. And us as parents, we just support right. their right. goals and support the things they want to do. And then at the, at the time, they sometimes they might want to give up, but then we have to push them. You know, no, we don't quit. We keep going, you know, and we do things and help them along the way for them to see the end of the road. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I also like to talk about and just even point out, I'm so glad you brought this up, is mm-hmm. that, you know, we all have our story, you know, and to hear the tremendous amount of stress and also there's opportunity for failure. Like you could have quit, right. really, you know, right. especially having a child and mm-hmm. that's your story. But you turned out such a great person and a great product, mm-hmm. you know, and we all have our story. We all have, go through tough times. But this is the point where we have to ask questions ourselves, right. you right. know, and set goals for ourselves and really step up to the plate and understand that 
everybody, you know, as much as we want to separate each other, we've, we've all got the same 24 hours, right. mm-hmm. you know, Beyonce's got the same 24 mm-hmm. hours yep. as know. you do. She might have a few. I know she's got, she got 26. <laughs> she, she knows got she's got you know? <laughs> But, you know, we all have the same 24 yeah. and we have equal opportunity once we cut away all of the excuses and all the things that we believe we don't have. And we realize that you're a limitless being, mm-hmm. you know, like we've got this infinite potential to do so much. But I think it's really speaking to also, you know, acknowledging your gifts and your talents. And that's what I want to talk to you about next as well. So in the NFL, you were known for the long ball. You know, I remember even seeing you on TV, airing it out. You know, the game's different now, but you performing at such a high level, actually you have the record for the longest pass in a Pro Bowl, right? Yes, sir. And so I'm curious, what did you do differently to set you apart and to bring you up to that level? You know, what is it that separates the average athlete from those who achieve levels of greatness? Well, once you reach the NFL, everybody is equal in certain things. Everybody's fast, majority, strong, can play. And if they couldn't do those things, they wouldn't be there because definitely NFL looks at the measurables when they draft, you know, how big a guy is, how high he jumps. That's why they do all those tests. Right. So everybody's athletic, but what's the thing that's going to separate you from the rest of the pack. The one thing I felt for me, and this is a lot of something I talked to my son about, is I felt like I had to find a niche, something that I can do different and better than everybody else. Yeah. And it. that niche became the long ball. That was my niche. Mm-hmm. That was something that I knew for a fact, can't nobody beat me doing. So now what happens, I start to develop that confidence. It's not cocking, it's not arrogance, but it's a confident. You know, that people who don't understand that, they would think it's cockiness mm-hmm. or arrogance, but it's confidence. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know anybody that plays professional sports that's going to tell you that that person is better than me. They're going to always step to the chair and say, I can get him yeah. or I can beat him, you know, or we're going to go toe to toe and we're going to see what happens. But they're never going to admit, even though they may lose, they still won't admit it. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go round two. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a, a Pacquiao and Mayweather too, yeah. right? Because he can't admit that he actually beat him. Yeah. You know, so I found that niche. Once I found that niche, I mastered it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mastered that niche. Now my demand becomes higher because right. other teams and other people want what I have. Yeah. So once you find that niche and you work hard at it, then you develop that confidence level. Yeah. And I always play with a chip on my shoulder. Mm. Always. Because I wasn't supposed to be there. Mm. You know, mm. I wasn't the guy. I wasn't tall enough, you know. At that time, it wasn't a lot of black quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's keep it real. Yeah. All right. I'm always do that. You know, when I first got in the league, it was only two black quarterbacks that were starting. That was Randall Cunningham and Warren Moon. Those right. were the only two. You know, it was other guys, other black quarterbacks in the league, but they weren't starters. Yeah. You know, it was a few backups in there. You had, you know, Rodney Pete. Yeah. You know, you had Andre Ware. Mm-hmm. You, know, you had a few guys yeah. sprinkled around in there, but yeah. they weren't. But the only two starters at the time. Mm-hmm. True starters, and I mean guys that play year in and year out, you know, right. every, all 16 games were Randall and Warren. And so I had a lot to prove, not only for myself, but for a black quarterback, especially coming from a smaller school. Yeah. You know, Randall Cunningham with the UNLV and Warren Moon went to the University of Washington. So they were bigger schools, right. you know. So I had a lot to prove when I got to the NFL. And I, like I said, I played with that chip on my shoulder. I never let anybody tell me I couldn't do it. When everybody else was off the field, I was still on it. Mm, I was yeah. the first one there, and I was the last one to leave. My first two years at the Jets. I was the first one there, 
and I was the last one to leave. And you can ask my son. I tell him that all the time. Yeah. All right. What I started doing was getting to know management, getting to know my coaches. I would go sit down and talk to them. I wasn't just another player just walking around the hall. I started trying to create relationships because when you create relationships, you're not just another number. People start to have feelings for you mm -hmm. because you play with their kids. And so now when they get ready to go cut you, it's different. You yeah. know, <laughs> they it's can't personal. just, it's personal it's now. Not just it's not just business. Mm -hmm. So if you can add a little personal in there, it's a little bit harder <laughs> for them to let you go. Right. Even mm -hmm. though the business side may take over. Yeah. But the personal side going to say, hey, coach, I got this kid. We can let him go. I think he'll be a good fit for y'all program, mm -hmm. good fit for y'all team. Right. Mm -hmm. You need to come and get him. Make us speak up for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll speak up for you, you know, yeah. because of the relationship. You know, you know, as well as I do, a lot of things based on relationships mm -hmm. and who you know. Yeah. You know, and that's where you get your opportunity from. Yeah. And so I was in New York for two years, got there, didn't play much. I was third string. But in you know, my third year, Pete Carroll got the head coaching job. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Pete Carroll was the head coach yeah. for the Jets for a short period of time. And um, actually, Emory's receiver coach here, Coach Sherm, was on that staff as well. So I have like four or five coaches that coach me that's coaching him right now. That's See crazy. where that relationship pays yeah. off again. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. That's right. It yeah. pays off still. About four or five. And one of the coaches that his main coach actually was one of my coaches. And you know, now the offensive coordinator here, Frank Signetti, was my quarterback coach in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And the assistant head coach was my head coach, Coach um, Dave McGinnis. And uh, Arizona, when I was a starting quarterback, Arizona. Those are some so, real dividends. <laughs> so, but the relationships, yeah. again, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. Love that. And um, I left there, and uh, our head coach at that time was Bruce Cosler. He got fired. Pete Carroll got the head coaching job. The minute they let me go, Bruce Cosler, who drafted me, had got the OC job in Cincinnati. The minute they let me go, boom! I was in Cincinnati. He called me. Hey, mm -hmm. you want to come? Yes. yes. I was in Cincinnati by eight o'clock that night. Wow. They cut me by one, by eight, I was in Cincinnati. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Happened just that fast. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is history. Right, yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Yeah. And once I got there, I had my opportunity. Right. The right. opportunity was we playing in Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. David Klingler was the starting quarterback. Don Hollis was the backup. Both of those guys got hurt in the third quarter. Both of them out for six weeks. They ain't got nobody else but me. Yeah. So after the game, Bruce goes, well, you got to go next week. You ready? I was like, I'm not going to be more ready than what I am. And the next week, we playing against the world champion, Cowboys, mm. in Cincinnati. Mm. So they got the whole shebang bang Emmitt, Troy, Mike Irvin, yeah. Alvin Harper. They got, you know, Dion. They got them all. They got, you know, Charles Haley. You name it. They got the whole <laughs> squad over there. Yeah. You know, Moose Johnson. You name it. It's all of them. They were getting ready to play against. And make a long story short, we lost that game by three points. I threw two touchdowns and 275 yards in the first half. Wow. Against the Dallas Cowboys. They, yeah. And they hadn't seen that in Cincinnati in a minute. Right. Yeah. And it just took off after that. Right. I took advantage of the opportunity. And that's another thing I want to talk to you about. Take advantage of the opportunity when the opportunity is given to you. If you do not take advantage, because sometimes you only get one shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know? And if you get that one shot, please be ready. Because you may not ever get another opportunity. If I would have not taken advantage of that opportunity, my career would have been very short. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I mean, there's so much there. You know, one of the things is instead of needing to get ready all the time, just stay ready. Yeah. You know, stay ready in your mm -hmm. life. And that's what training 
And that's what, you know, your right nutrition, mm-hmm. um, of course, paying attention to your sleep, your relationships, all that stuff helps mm-hmm. you to stay ready right. for when opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. And also one of the things you mentioned was carving out your own niche, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And how powerful is that? Mm-hmm. You know, because we can all do that. We can all carve out our own little slice of whatever it is. You know, there's the fashion industry, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, you can carve out your own unique space there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, health and fitness, you know, there's thousands of health right. and nutrition shows out there but people are tuning in to us right now and everybody listening you guys are part of this model community because there's something different that i'm expressing and mm-hmm. i've carved out my own little niche here i don't mm-hmm. care about the competition as mm-hmm. a matter of fact i even call it cooperation a lot of times right, because happened, right. even though you know a lot of these guys are my friends mm-hmm. you know in the health space lewis Howes and self-help ben greenfield all these guys are doing wonderful work so there's something i pick up from the both of you gentlemen and that's that difference even from that first strike that first slice and carving out your own niche there's also something different about you guys when you're up against what seemingly is an insurmountable challenge you know Jeff you up against that monster squad (laughs) and Sean you really facing a whole sea of people in your space how do you approach that let's start with you Jeff ah I am a different kind of cat. Yeah. Um, I really don't a lot of things bother me. Uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. I always play with a chip on my shoulder. And I always, I've been playing football my whole life. So that fear factor of me actually playing against the, the world champion Dallas Cowboys never really entered my mind. Being that my, um, my brother-in-law actually was on that team. So a lot of guys that I played with in college or uh, seen around the league, you know, my first two years, probably even played against them in preseason. I, Play a lot of preseason games as well. So it prepared me f- for that day. And uh, I wasn't going to allow anybody or anything take that day away from me. It was my chance. It was my opportunity. And I was going to let the chips fall where they may. You yeah. know, and that's just my attitude. And that's, I take that same attitude throughout life today. Yeah. I do not run away from a challenge. I step to the challenge. Sometimes you might lose, but I'm going to win more than I lose. I can promise you that. Love it. Yeah. yeah. It's such a great question, Jade. Mm-hmm. And this is why I appreciate having you around, you know. <laughs> but for me, you know, it was passion driven. You know, I had something to share. I felt that there was a, a big gap in, you know, what people knew about health and wellness and what the truth was. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. for me, again, it was really passion driven to share that message and to help people to feel empowered mm-hmm. and also to have real clinically proven information that is there, but you don't know if you don't know, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it trumped everything. Even when I was scared, standing up and speaking in front of three people, yeah. right? Like yeah. crazy scared. <laughs> and then now he's standing up in front of 7,000 yeah. people and not having the butterflies and just mm-hmm. feeling that confidence. But also, you know, you said it, you are a different kind of cat. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because people a lot are. of people out there that are nervous or scared or feeling the, the butterflies, feeling that fear, is one thing, but letting it debilitate you mm. is another thing, you know, so do it anyways, yeah. you know, feel the fear and mm-hmm. do it anyways. It's a natural hardwire thing for people to feel afraid, but as you progress, then you move out of that. That's mm-hmm. what Jeff's talking about. Mm-hmm. Like he had progressed out of that. He felt that he was already prepared to be there. He had yeah. been doing this his whole life and just, it was the next normal transition, you know, super powerful stuff for me yeah, it is. as well. But you also take on things. So along with that truth, you know, where some of what you've shared is truth, but it goes against conventional wisdom mm-hmm. or traditional yeah. practices. Yeah. 
you weren't what people were used to. So y'all even took on y'all, <laughs> y'all even took on greater challenges than your own fear. And so I applaud yeah. you both for that. Absolutely. And so mm -hmm. this is a good place to transition and talk about transition. So we've had, you know, Jackie Joyner Kersey on the show, she's an amazing human being, but mm -hmm. When athletes, what the tendency is across the board, and I know you've seen this firsthand, when their playing days are over, they tend to fall off with their health and fitness. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell us about your experience with that and then what you did to turn it around for yourself? Well, and my son can attest to this. Um, after my, I think after I retired, I think I, for a year I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I blew up to about 240. I had this big round trumpet phase. You know, and uh, they used to call me Santa Claus, <laughs> all kind of stuff. <laughs> you laughing? Kids call Santa yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a belly on me, man. Oh, you know? oh, dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and one day I decided, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that no more. Yeah. You know, and uh, I started getting in shape. I started working out, and I guess from now for the last, you know, six years, you know, I've been working out consistently. Yeah. On a regular basis, in the last couple of years, I've gotten more, increasingly better with the way I eat. Yeah. And my health and you see a lot of guys they don't do that you know because this is their excuse their excuse is man i've been training and doing this for years my whole life mm -hmm. now that i'm done mm -hmm. i'm just gonna let it go and just be free and i'm gonna eat whatever i want to eat and if i want to work out i will mm -hmm. and that's their excuse because they've been doing it for so long now they you know they don't have to do it anymore right. but what happens is in the nfl you know a lot of people don't realize this but nfl athletes have a very short lifespan I think it's to 65. That's the average that right. most of the guys live to, mm -hmm. 65. And in the last, say, eight to nine years, I've known at least 67 guys that I played with that's already passed on, either through complications, guys like Junior Seau, yeah, Chester wow. McLaughlin, yeah. you know, either through accidents or they shooting themselves or through, you know, even Reggie White. I can go on names, um, Godfrey Miles. Yeah. Play with the Cowboys. I can name name. I think it's about at least seven, eight guys that I know that I played with or against in the NFL. Right, that's right. that's gone now, yeah. you know. And it has to do with certain other complications. Some had to do with health. Some had to do with you know their mental statement. Yeah. And these are the type of things that I want to address in my sports social academy that we're gonna have going up in Austin here within the next twelve months. Yeah. And what we're gonna deal with is everything that happens off the field, mm -hmm. not on the field. Yeah. So all your life skills finances, you know, even how to deal with the media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, what to write, what not to write, you know, yeah. we can have media personnel come in and talk about, you know, how do you make your media your friend? How do you use the media to you to platform yourself? They're not the enemy if you right. use them right. Right. You I'm, know? I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I want to come back and talk more about that. Yeah. But the first thing I really want to bring this point home so for you, well, one of the big things, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who's yeah. wonderful in the field of just understanding all facets of what's going on with the brain. Mm, yeah. And he shared us just a staggering statistic that about 80% of all NFL players that when they scan their brains after they retire have brain damage, mm -hmm. 80%, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking about a pretty... High number. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like guaranteed. Right. But there are certain practices and obviously there's a lot going on to improve that. But the bottom line is, you know, you've got to do everything in your power, especially if you're in a highly combative, competitive sport or just your life in general to ensure that your body has the best chance to recover. Yeah. 
you know? And so this is what it's really about. And the nutrition is huge, but a lot of professional players, you know, because they train so much is like, they, you know, I've seen professional players that just straight eat candy, like all day. Like they've got their six-year-old wishes come true, you know, so they're snacking on Mike and Ike's, but that's one approach to it. And again, when the playing days are over, all that stuff just starts to Fade catch away. up to them, mm -hmm. you know? And so one of the things that, that you did was number one, you got back to what you knew closest, which was training. Mm -hmm. And so, the last time I was in uh, Austin at the honor facility, I saw you training, but we didn't get a chance to talk. I was like in and out. And then we got to connect that particular day. Mm. And then when I was leaving the next day, you were walking into the gym, mm. you know, he's like, this guy is there. You know, I was like, he's serious. He's on his game. And, but then you also mentioned that in the last couple of years, you really start paying attention to the nutrition, mm -hmm. you know, and just, so what's your experience with that? Um, well, one of the main reasons I started paying way more attention to the nutrition because both of my grandfathers had prostate cancer, all right? My grandmother died of diabetes. My dad has diabetes. You know, so when you start yeah. looking at yeah. on both sides of the family, and they all ate bad their whole lives. You know yeah. what they ate growing up, all right? <laughs> you know, the fried food, you know, the barbecue, all the sauce, all the fatness, fattening, fattening stuff. You know, I mean, back then they cooked with Crisco, you know, <laughs> yeah. the lard, you know, it was yeah. just bacon fat everywhere. You know, it cooked everything in bacon fat. She laughing, you know I'm what I'm talking about. Know. You know yes. what I'm talking about. So, but that's the way they lived their lives and they, and they grew up that way. And now that they're in their 50s and their 60s, they're struggling. Mm -hmm. My dad's in his 60s, my aunt's them in their 70s. And, and, you know, and so I decided I'm not going to do that. Yeah. When I, I get to it, be yeah. 60, you know, 20 years from now, I don't want to be struggling with diabetes. I don't want to be yeah. struggling with high blood pressure. I don't want to be struggling with those things. So how do I combat that right now? One, by changing the way I eat, changing my diet, eating more greens, drinking more juices. You know, now I get up in the morning and, you know, I give me some coconut milk. I put some kale, some spinach, you know, I get up and make my own stuff in the morning, yeah. you know, and put some good stuff in there. So yeah. some fruit, you know, put a little, maybe a little protein powder. I get up and I start off with that. That's my day. That's what I start off with. Yeah. I drink that before I go to the gym because I don't like to have a full stomach when I go to the gym because I get all way down, yeah. you know. And then after that, I drink another juice. And then I've been on, I've had two or three juices before I even actually eat my first meal, you know. But I'm making sure I'm getting those greens in me, yeah. you know, and getting, and getting that good nutrition that raw nutrition because it's not something that's you know processed yeah exactly and we as people eat a lot of processed foods right you know and so to get away from the fast food and the processed foods has really been the difference for me yeah you and it's, it's really as simple as that like that's mm -hmm. one of the first easy access low-hanging fruit steps is to stop eating fast food start making more of your own food you know and adding in more living foods is anywhere you can and like jeff's doing is like blend it into something right mm -hmm. you know but you brought up a really interesting point about the family history mm -hmm. and you know me being in the field of science and working with so many physicians over the years and having these really in-depth conversations it's really fascinating to see that you know we've used that as an excuse you know my mother has it so i'm going to have it and the science just doesn't say that we share the same genetics but more so we share the same cookbook mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. But yeah. the field of epigenetics is just profound. It's been around for a couple of decades showing the science of, so epi means above genetic control. And so there are certain things you do in your lifestyle, the food you eat, everything you put in your mouth switches on certain genetic programs mm -hmm. and other things get turned off. Every single bite Every you time. take, mm -hmm. that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. We it were just is. talking with Ian Clark about magnesium, for example, like yeah. bioavailable magnesium, that's responsible for over 300 biochemical processes that your body needs to do for you to be healthy. If you're deficient in that mineral, you know, because you're like, you know, eating SpaghettiOs or, you know, 
pop tarts mm -hmm. you know you're eating pop tarts which has no information in it except programs for disease yeah, you know turning on insulin yeah mainly you're going to be missing out and getting mm -hmm. zapped and pulled magnesium out of your system so imagine this is if why that were an airport and all the, I, this is what with the description <laughs> i mean i know i come up with all the good stuff but if what we described with magnesium and the functions if yeah. this were an airport and all those many things that have to happen in order for us to travel, take flight, to take flight right. safely. And you go and you show up and there's nobody on their stations in yeah. 300 different areas. I'm good. I'm going to take the right. bus. Right. You know, you're you not know. going anywhere. That's funny. Uh, just really quick. <laughs> my last one, I just came back from L.A. And the flight was delayed. It's See? the same company. I'm not going to say any names, though. But the flight was delayed. And then mm -hmm. we finally got in the air. And 30 minutes into a four-hour flight, they had to turn around because... <sighs> the windshield was loose, yeah. right? So it's, it, there's something lacking there, you know? Same thing, I, I exactly. get your analogy, I love there, that. Yeah. But so I'm gonna turn back around and I'm gonna have to park it. You know, I'm not gonna be able to get where I wanna go exactly. if I'm deficient. Did you so, notice something else though, how he described his morning? How similarly it aligned with the day in the life of the Fat Loss Warrior? It's no accident. It's no accident. So this, <laughs> so this is where I wanna point everybody's attention to, and this is why I really connected with you, man. You got a good heart. Yeah. And so what really inspired you to put these things in place to start putting these things in place to help athletes, not just with stuff on the field, but off the field, you know, the life skills. Five or six years ago, I started coming up with this idea that we needed something like this, you know, in the sports realm. And I started training all these kids and started seeing how deficient they were in life skills. You know, like a lot of them were disrespectful to their parents, yeah. they talk back to their parents and they won't listen, but they'll listen to me but they wouldn't listen right. to their parents. But if coach said it, it was good, but if their parents said, <laughs> and then the parents would look at them and say, that's the same thing I just told you, you know? So I'm like, man, these kids aren't getting it, you know? And it was easy for me because I had great kids. My kids were from day one, very manable. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. I mean, we could go to a restaurant and it was him and my son, and his brother and sister and all their cousins. We're sitting there and it's, they're all under six. And you can't even hear a peep out of them. And people would come up and say, man, i never seen right. kids behave so well. And they're all well-behaved kids. And because we were all well-behaved, and you know why. Yeah. And you know why. And, but that's done at an early age. And a lot of these parents are missing that out on an early age, developing the skills at an early age. Okay, early. And I want to be able to create a place where not only younger kids, but even professional athletes, can come and get recharged. It's just not once a year, but maybe a couple of times a year, not right. just your rookie season at, at the rookie symposium, and then you're done. Right. You know, now yeah. here, you're off on your own in the NFL. Now you have to go face the world on your own. But a place where if guys get stuck, if guys get confused, if guys get lost, a place that they can come to, or at least call someone, at least get there, even just, you know, through a video phone or whatever and talk to someone on that subject. You know, man, I almost hit my wife last night, <laughs> you know, or I almost got an altercation, you know, in this bar last night, you know, or I almost, you know, took that drug last night. You know, who do they talk to? Who do they go to? Who do they, you know, hey, man, I looked at my bank account and it is like crazy. You know, who, who can they go talk to besides somebody that may not have their best interests? You know, so I want to be able to create a place that where kids from sixth grade to professionals can come and have those life skills, mentoring skills, tutoring skills, 
media skills, you name it, anything that has to do with health, you know, health skills, eating the right thing, putting the right thing in your body all the time, not just, you know, doing football season or just doing your training season, but all the time, you know, how does that become your lifestyle? And it's what it is, it's a lifestyle. People who work out and train and look a certain way, they look that way because that's the lifestyle they live. You know, they don't vary from that hardly ever. But they might go on vacation and, and binge a couple of days, but as soon as they get back home, boom, they right back at it hard. And they even go harder when they get back home because they did binge because mm-hmm. <laughs> they feel you know, they haven't gained an inch or gained a pound, but they feel fat mm-hmm. because they ate some fat, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's just the way it is. So I want to continue to create an environment for these kids to develop these life skills because you know, uh, the NFL got hit hard last year when it came to domestic violence. They had like three or four domestic violence cases, I think. They had a couple of drug cases, you know, on guys. And, um, you know, a couple of NFL sponsors were trying to pull out last year. So it damaged their brand big time. And not only, you know, it happened in WNBA Mm -hmm. with um, Brittany Griner and her wife, you know, and... uh, Mm -hmm. And so it's just not the NFL. It's other sports as well. What's the goal? The girl, the goalie for USA um, women's soccer team. Mm -hmm. She has some domestic violence stuff going on too as well. So it's just not football players. It's it's all sports. And some sports you hear about it, some sports you don't, but it's out there. So I want to create an atmosphere, create a place where these athletes can come and get that coaching year-round, not just for a small time, you know, not just that one week for the NFL symposium, but – you know, for the duration. Yeah, right. I love how you. I love how you structure it because instead of trying to put fires out, let's prevent them in the first place. Yes, you know. Yeah, we are a prevention phase. We're not intervention. We're yeah. prevention, and we're not post. Yeah, you know. So I we want to get it before it happens. Yeah, you know. And sometimes you have to start young. You know, so now you're not in college stealing crab legs. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, this is a great point to kind of wrap and and there's so much here and you know. One of the great things about being able to have you on and to share your story is understanding the bigger picture. You know, in our culture, in our society, we look to athletes for leadership, for role models. You know, we can't help it. You know, it's just kind of programmed into our society. You know, so when people see, you know, they're watching the NBA finals and they see LeBron James in a commercial, kids want to aspire to be him. And also adults, too, if they're Mm -hmm. honest with themselves, you know, they want to do the things that he's doing. It's very impressionable on our psyche, Mm -hmm. you know, so... To have athletes who are not just performing great on the field, but off the field mm-hmm. is incredibly important. And Which they don't get enough praise for that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This because we're looking for the story, the next domestic violence story. Mm-hmm. And even having the term domestic violence is a tragedy in our society at this point. You know, but we can really make big changes in this by getting the conversation going and putting in prevention so that this isn't even something that happens in the first place. For individuals to understand that this is not something that I do. Right. You know, it's not even in my psyche to even do something like that. And this is what you're really about, man. And I truly appreciate it. And I appreciate all the effort and the work you're putting in and just the, the man that you are. Thank you. And um, thanks so much for coming on, man. Absolutely. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. You know, Jeff dropped so many knowledge mm-hmm. bombs here. They might be a little subtle, you know, some things might have to marinate for a little while. You know, one of the things that really hit me and I've still been thinking about, even as we're here right now, is relationships and how he was able to consciously understand I need to build relationships so that I can grow myself and so that I can continue to move on and to move forward because I can't do this on my own merit. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how talented you are, how gifted you are. Those things are powerful and important. 
But at the same time, you absolutely must build relationships and especially with the people who you want to be around. You know, it's so important and so powerful, but also it's so available today in this time more than any other time in history. You know, so connect with me, connect with Jeff. We'll put his information in the show notes. You know, you guys can connect with me on Twitter and all that good stuff and just stay connected with the show. And I truly do appreciate you. And I want you to have a great rest of your day. Take care and I'll talk with you soon. And make sure for more after the show, you head over to theshawnstevensonmodel.com. That's where you can find the show notes. And if you got any questions or comments, make sure to let me know. And please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and let everybody know that our show is awesome and you're loving it. And I read all the comments, so please leave me a comment there. And take care, everybody. promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help transform your life. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.